Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Remain standing this morning. What an honor it is to be here. Pastor Boyd, it's good to be here with Brother and Sister Boyd. Be here in the house of God. Amen. So honored to be welcomed back. It's, it's always good to preach somewhere, but when they ask you to come back, that's when you realize you didn't hurt any feelings last time. You didn't, you didn't mess up too bad. You might have dropped the watermelon, but like one preacher said, even if you drop the watermelon, there's some seeds there. Get them, plant them. You know, something's going to come from that. No, it's such an honor to always be able to come back to be with Pastor Boyd. What a masterpiece of a message he spoke this weekend at Touch the Future Conference. If you were not there, I challenge you to go hear what your pastor spoke on. Amen. Amen. All over here in this state, I understand he is your superintendent, and to me he's a friend, but here in this church, this is your shepherd. This is the man of God who sits on the wall, who was a watchman, doing an amazing job representing this church and the apostolic truth that we're so thankful for this morning. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. While you're doing that, I want to again say how thankful I am for you to be here, Pastor. Thank you so much for having me and my family. It's always good to have my beautiful wife with me. She's not always able to travel. School year's about to be over with, so she's able to travel more during the summertime while my son is out of school. So it's good to have my wife and little Parker man. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know whose Sunday school class he was in, but I bet it was interesting. Come on. I tell you, he listens. He's intense. He listens everything. Got to be on your P's and Q's with that boy. I tell you, we have every time we go to a church and he comes out of that Sunday school class and that teacher's walking up to me, she says, guess what Parker said? Me and my wife start praying immediately. Oh my goodness. What did he say? What did he try to correct somebody on? What scripture did he quote? Hallelujah. No, it's so good to be able to be here with my beautiful family. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and 47. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard, everybody say he heard. It was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. For a moment here with the help of the Lord, I pray that I'm able to share what I feel God has allowed me this morning to speak here, this beautiful congregation, is simply this. There's moments where we are going to have to praise before the promise. Amen. Praise before the promise. If you'll sit your Bibles down behind you and lift your hands to the Lord right now, and I want you to lift your voice and ask God to speak to you in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the spirit we felt in this place right now. Come on, that's it. Release your faith right now. God's working a miracle. Hallelujah. God's in the process of working something out for you. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you right now. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you right now. God, you are worthy of praise in the house of God. Lord, we exalt thee in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Bless this place. In Jesus' name, right now, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time before you're seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. You can be 
seated in the presence of God. What a magnificent Sunday school lesson we had this morning through Brother Williams. I haven't had the honor of sitting down and just rubbing shoulders with you. But I tell you what, your personality was so attractive to me. I was impressed more than just the Sunday school lesson. I was so impressed at his ability to while he was preaching. And you, you guys know what exactly where I'm going. His ability to call out your name while he's talking to you. You ain't going to sleep when Brother Williams is preaching. Hallelujah. You're going to look up. Hallelujah. I felt like I already know everybody in this church. I, I know we got a BJ up in the house. Come on. I, 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 there, there's all kind of names. I can't, I can't even remember. I've got three grandkids and I still struggle to remember what their names are. Come on. So I'm telling you, but, but there was so much, so much teaching, and, and I leaned over to my wife, and I said, my, my, if he keeps on in this vein that he is in right now, I'm just going to welcome him right back up to this pulpit and just let him go ahead and preach it because he's already, we're already preaching close to the same thing to what God is challenging for us here in these last days. Amen. As good as God has been to us this year, I can't help but say we need to praise him now, God has been extremely good to us in this day and age we're living in. God, I feel like I just need to say that a few more times. God has been extremely good to us in these last days. Some of you might be saying right now, good to us? Brother Reese, do you realize that we've been living in a pandemic for the past two years? No, no. You might have been living in a pandemic, but I've been living in the favor of God. Come on, somebody. God has been good to the Reese family, amen. Brother Reese, do you realize we're living in a continual recession? Well, maybe the world's in one, but the church is in an onward progression. Come on. Everything else might be going down. Everything else may be weakening, but the church is growing. Come on. The gates of hell shall not prevail against a growing church. I've seen it too many times everywhere that me and my wife have been so blessed to travel. There's been so many negative reports that you can hear. But every time I go to a church and I walk in there, pastor pulls me aside and says, man, you wouldn't believe there was these people that left and these people who were lost and these things that, that was a trauma to us. But in the process, there were those that were flocking to the church. People that were calling churches, can you baptize? Do you baptize? Can you, can you pray for me? I heard there's a Holy Ghost being poured out. Can, can you pray for me to receive the Holy Ghost? In the midst of where you would think there was danger and death all around. If you really think about it, we all have a reason to say this morning, I can't help but praise him right now. Because when we look back over our lives, we all have had our share of good days and bad days. We've all had our share of up and downs. We've all had our share of heartaches and pains, sunshine pouring down of rains. But as Brother William said during Sunday school, like I said, you tiptoed on my message too much, so I might refer to you a lot. But he said, God has just been way too good to me. And if we think about it, as good as God has been, God has shown his mercy to us. We wouldn't all come out of mom's womb there speaking in tongues. We wasn't all born into this to where we just came out speaking in the spirit. We were baptized right when we were born. That wasn't the case. There was a valley we had to go through. There was a lifestyle we had to endure. There was sin that took place. But God still rolled up his sleeves and said, I'm going to get right down into the midst of this drug dealer. I'm going to get right down into the life of this apostolic, or this alcoholic, and I'm going to change them to an apostolic. God has been good to us. And I felt like I needed to share that because sometimes we can get so sidetracked with the negative so sidetracked with the media that's putting out nothing but bad news because bad news travels fast. Bad news causes fear. And the enemy, that's his greatest weapon. If he can cause you to fear, it'll cause you to be immobile. I have an extreme fear of heights, but I have a job that requires me to get up there in high places. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? It's, I went to a job interview one time, and the first thing that boss did is while he was interviewing me, and I mentioned that I had a little nervousness about heights, and, and at this auditorium where I was working, we had to get up in high places and change out light ballast and all kind of things and filters, and I told him I was a little nervous about heights, and the first thing he did was took me to one of the highest points of the building. 
Walk me right out there up to the edge of that rail. Metal catwalk up there and I could see through that metal catwalk to the bottom of that auditorium of that convention center and you was, it was like you was walking on air. It was that, it was that metal you could see through. Come on, I, I, walked like, I walked like Bambi on ice. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I finally got out of that side rail and I held it and I was getting lower and lower the closer I got. And he sat there, there, back there giggling at me and looking at me and, and I'm getting smaller and smaller the further I get out and I finally made it to that handrail and I grabbed it and I kind of stood up a little bit proud of it. But you couldn't have pried me off of that rail. He said, how you doing? I said, how you think I'm doing? I'm here. And he said, I, I like that. If you'll just promise me when you get this job that every other day, sometimes a couple of times a week, if you'll just come up here to this catwalk, bring your lunch with you. Come up here and walk out to one of the highest spots you can endure. Go out a little bit, and when you get to where you can't go any further, you sit down and you eat your lunch. Dangle your feet out over the side of that catwalk because I need you to get used to high places. Because I'm going to require you to go higher. And if you are not already in the process of getting out there to uncomfortable areas, you'll never get to what I am requiring of you as an employee. Come on, somebody. We all say, God, I want a mountain experience. God, I want you to take me higher. I want to go to greater lengths. I want to go to higher heights. I want to go where nobody's gone before. God, take me to a high mountain, not realizing mountain climbers have to go through a lot of training before they climb a mountain. They don't just get up one morning and reach over there and grab their Yeti cooler and grab on their backpack and their little water jug and start heading up Mount Everest. It takes a long time of adjusting your breathing. Your lung capacity, because it's thin up there. It's lonely up there. There's not much growth up there. Not many trees, not many animals. Nobody wants to go where you're saying you want to go. But in the midst of it all, where it seems like everything's falling apart, that's why I really feel that my claim is valid here this morning, that we all have a reason to say, I can't help but praise him now. Hallelujah. Brother Reese, you just don't realize what I'm going through. I don't have to realize what you're going through because I automatically know you're not going through it on your own. Jesus already said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He already told you he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you could ask or think. The problem is we're not asking about it. We're not thinking about it. We're complaining about it. We're trying to find exit doors out of it. God, if you could give me the blessing without the trauma, I really would appreciate that. Because I can tell you if the Lord has opened any doors, if the Lord has made a way out of no way, if he's been bread for you when you were hungry, water for you when you were thirsty, one that stuck by closer than any other, you ought to say, I can't help but praise him right now. Brother Reese, why do you keep saying that? Because we need to understand, no matter what we're going through, it's our praise that's going to get us going further. I can tell you, I'm going to witness to, I'm going to be a little transparent if that's all right with you. There's been many a times I've come to church, even when I was asked to preach at times, and I would come and I've been going through something in my life, dealing with something that's real that you have to deal with, you know, because what, we're all human, hallelujah, we all, we have kids, come on, pray for us, hallelujah. And you deal with things, things happen, and you have to get to church anyway, and you have to put on that apostolic smile. And make sure you get the blood stains off your collar that your wife put there when she punched you in the nose on the way to church. Come on, somebody. You got to get in there and encourage others to live for God. Praise the Lord. Because we don't always have a perfect route to church. We don't always have a perfect route to the ministry. There's always things that can cause us to get sidetracked. But it's in the middle of that. When we come to church, and like I've said before, I've come before and I've sat on a pew with my lip poked out too. Had been in church probably about three years at this point. At this point, when this happened, this is something that I will never forget. Came to church about three years into it, and I'd always been the kind of person, and, and I'm sure you might realize that if I hadn't mentioned it last time I was here. I don't just sit back and just let everybody enjoy church without me. My God, I, I used to party and dance around in clubs. I ain't gonna give God any less. Come on, somebody. So I come to church. I'm gonna get right down there with you. I don't care. Step on my dress shoes. It ain't gonna bother me. So I made up my mind, I come to church, I was the first one up shouting, dancing, running, slobbering, slinging, everything, I was doing everything good. Well, that day I'd had a bad week. So I came to church and I said, I ain't doing nothing. 
I'll let somebody else dance. I'm sick of making everybody shout because I'm up shouting. I'm going to sit right here. Preach to me, preacher. Sing to me, choir. I didn't get up and shout. I might have gave them a little bit of a, you know, one of those numbers right there. I was having a bad day. Devil been slapping me around, you know, and I'd let him take my praise. Pastor got up there. He said, don't you ever. He might as well have just titled his sermon Brother Coley Reese is what he should have done. And he said, no matter what you go through, don't ever come to church and sit out on God. Don't ever, no matter what you're going through, come to church and allow that trauma and whatever you're dealing with cause you to sit down on God. I come up off of that pew so fast, I was shouting. He had him, It was on a Wednesday night. That was exciting right there. I danced down that aisle. My God, I ain't never going to sit down again. Come on. Because I realized it. Because the devil knows if he can just take your praise, take your excitement, take your enthusiasm about the oneness of God, the power of the word of God, the spirit of God, if he can just take that and drain you of that, you'll sit back there and become just a nice, respectful pew warmer, a handshaker, a greeter. Hey, how you doing from a distance? But your spirit is so disconnected. Come on now. Because this things that we deal with in our life, can cause us to disconnect from what God has for us. To fully appreciate this text that I read here a moment ago, I feel we must understand the context of his setting. Sometimes that's very crucial, very important. In stories that we read in the Word of God, I always encourage people when they bring a scripture to me and say, Brother Reese, I can't understand this verse. I say, well, let's go and read before it, and let's read after this. You can't just take one scripture. You have to read all of it. Because this biblical episode in the text takes place during the last days of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He was blessing little children as they were crawling up into his lap and he was laying hands upon them and he was laughing and smiling with these children and talking to them. He had just recently been one-on-one with a rich young ruler and had given him biblical instructions in how to inherit eternal life as this young man turned around sorrowful and began to walk away. He was teaching his disciples that with God, all things are possible. He predicted for the third time at this point his death and his resurrection. But as he journeyed from Galilee to Jerusalem, the text lets us know that he passed through Jericho. And as he was leaving, we don't really know fully what all was going on in Jericho. We know that the Bible tells us he arrived and he passed through it. And as he was in the process of leaving, he met a man by the name Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. We know him as blind Bartimaeus. And I just want to take a little side note here just for a moment. And I don't have it down in my notes, but I get to this point and I get to think about that. Too many times when we read, we hear the word Barnabas, the first thing we think about is blind Barnabas. I don't ever hear anybody ever say Brother Barnabas, Elder Barnabas, Preacher Reverend Barnabas. It's blind Barnabas. Anybody ever remember a disciple in the Bible? His name was Thomas. Anybody remember Thomas? Anybody know what Thomas' first name was? (laughs) <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all done gave that poor brother another first name. Come on. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We read stories of people that they deal with certain traumas in their life, certain things that are weaknesses to them, and all of a sudden it classifies them with their weakness. And we come to church and God fills us and we're baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus and God sets us on the right path and we begin to walk around and the devil does nothing but reminds us, don't forget it, Barnabas, you was blind. Thomas, don't you forget, you're a doubter. Coley, don't you forget, you was a drug dealer. You was an alcoholic. It's like that little boy that was in his backyard one day shooting his little BB gun, popping them cans off top of that post. And that BB gun skipped over that can and hit one of mama's favorite ducks out there on the water. Killed that duck dead in a hammer right out there on the water. Little Jimmy run out there, grabbed that duck up, looked around, didn't see his little sister, mama, daddy, nobody, grabbed that duck and hit it behind some logs behind one of the woodsheds. He walked back in thinking nothing happened. When he walked into the room, he opened up the door and there was his little sister Sally standing there. Smiling from ear to ear. 
She didn't say a word. She just smiled and walked away. He knew he'd been caught. He sat down at the dinner table, and they were having dinner. And then uh, dinner was over with, and Daddy looked over there at little Jimmy and said, Jimmy, I want you to go in there to the kitchen and help Mama, or, or asked, told the uh, daughter, excuse me, little Sally, go over there and, and help Mama with the dishes in the kitchen. And Sally looks over there at Daddy and says, Daddy, but Jimmy said he wants to help Mama with the dishes. Ain't that right, Jimmy? And he was just about to give it to her, and she leaned over in his ear and said, remember the duck. Yes, sir, quack, quack. And so he gets up and he goes to the kitchen, helps Mama wash dishes. Next day comes around. It's fishing day for him and his daddy. Little Jimmy comes home enthusiastic. It's time to go fishing. I got my homework done. I'm ready to go. Walks in the door, grabs his fishing pole. He goes to head out the door with daddy, and little Sally speaks up and says, Daddy, Jimmy said, I can go fishing with you today. Ain't that right, Jimmy? He's just about to give it to her again, and she leans over and says, Remember that duck? He gets frustrated. Now he drops his pole and she goes fishing with daddy. And now he's in his room mad as all get out, frustrated. And he goes into the kitchen, tears falling down of his face. He goes into the kitchen to mama and says, Mama, I got to make a confession. I can't handle this no more. I was in the backyard the other day and I was shooting my BB gun and I killed your duck, your favorite duck out there on the pond. Would you please forgive me? Mama looked over at little Jimmy and said, I saw that when it happened. I just wanted to see how much you were going to let Sally drag you around and make you do everything. Because that's kind of how it is. We'll come in here and God will set us free from all kind of sin. Set us free from all kind of addiction. And we sit in here and at any little given minute, the enemy will lean over to you and say, remember that duck. Remember that sin. Remember that weakness you got. Remember where you came from. Remember nobody in your family saved. Remember you got an unsaved spouse. Remember you got children not living for God. Don't forget this in your life. And we sit there and listen to it. And our spirit gets further and further away from our praise. I'm talking about praising him long before the promise. Learning to praise him when ain't nothing going right. Praise him in your darkest hour. Praise him when the church lights aren't on. Praise him when the music ain't playing. I remember this morning, you could be seated during, I remember during Sunday school this morning, the brother Williams, he was mentioning a brother BJ. I keep wanting to say PJ, BJ, BJ, there we go. And so I remember him, he said, Brother BJ, come in one day, he said, I want to get baptized. Brother Williams said he was thrown back and said, on a Wednesday? A lot of us, we don't think about that on a Wednesday. And I got to thinking about that, the first thing that hit me is that's my mentality of it. Somebody want to get baptized on Tuesday? Thursday at 2 o'clock? Are you kidding me? What, Friday at 12 at lunch? Are you kidding me? And I appreciate that because I think BJ had an understanding that, yeah, I want to get baptized Wednesday because the Lord might come back Thursday. We don't know when God's coming back. We have no idea the last five minutes is going to be that we're going to have that option to go down in the name of Jesus, to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One day it will be your last five minutes. One day it will be your Thursday morning. Why not now? Why not now? Now is the appointed time for salvation. Clap your hands to the Lord right now and give God some praise. He told me, Blind Bartimaeus sitting down by the roadside. Jericho with his tin cup out there doing what he'd always done. Didn't need, didn't have what he needed to have a good job in his mindset at the time. He felt the best thing for me to do is to go out here and rattle a can and maybe get just enough to provide maybe a small meal for the day. But old Bartimaeus taught us a lesson about praising before the promise. Taught us something that a lot of times we lose in our walk with God. The first thing that old Barnabas taught us is this. You've got to realize that your present condition is not your final conclusion. I feel like I need to say that again. What you're dealing with right now, 
does not have to be the ending outcome of your life on this earth. Just because you're going through a storm now does not mean the clouds will not part later. Does not mean the sun will never shine again. You have been from Georgia, Georgia, we get like that sometimes. There's certain times we hardly ever see some sunlight in certain parts of the year, certain months. It just seems like, man, it's just raining. I call them dog days. It's just raining all the time. And I'm sitting there, and I remember one time it, it had been raining for weeks, or cloudy, overcast for weeks. The sun finally came out. I got my phone and took a picture of it and shared it. I said, y'all wouldn't believe what I saw in the sky today. You'll be shocked at what a pandemic can take away from humanity. You will be shocked at the conditions that people will get used to. I was speaking to a good friend of mine who pastors up in Detroit this weekend over at conference. And we were talking and we were just sharing some stories of things we've had to endure. We hadn't seen each other in a while. We always share some old stories. And we just began to naturally, like humans are doing right now, it always gravitates towards pandemic. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so he said, you wouldn't believe even right now, up there in Detroit, everybody is completely covered. Everything's completely protected. There's glass on everything. There's everything. There's no, there's no freedom and openness to do whatever you want. He said, actually, Subway built a new Subway sandwich store. And inside of that sandwich store, they decided not to put up any plexiglass. No glass. You could... You could reach out and touch the woman behind the register. Y'all, y'all remember those days? Y'all remember that? <laughs> now the guy robbing the store don't have to say, can you please slide that under that little rectangle for me? I'd appreciate that. <laughs> now we can reach out and grab them by the neck when they don't do our sandwich right. And he said he walked in blown away. His, he said, wow. Another man came behind him and he stopped at the door, Pastor. He stopped. He said, I can't, this is... This is something's not right. I don't what what's going on here? Everything's open. There's no glass. There's no protection. There's no wall. I don't know. He, he said he felt like a kid at Christmas time. He got a whole bunch of toys and he was excited to go have his sandwich made. And I began to sit there. He said it was at that moment I felt so sad. Because we and outside of pandemic and outside of all that, we can get so used to a negative world. We can get so used to not having what God intends for his church to have. We can get so used to having just a minimum, just a quota. Cap off right here, that's good enough for me. We get so content. We're given the average that when God says, no, no, I'm about to give you an overflow, but this is going to be required of you, we step back and think, well, do I really want an overflow? Do I really want my cup running over? This text reveals to us that Barnabas merely heard Jesus was passing by. He heard a noise. The Bible tells us that when he was sitting there rattling his can and a group of people, crowds all around, all of a sudden somebody said something that he said, did you just say Jesus was within the vicinity of my voice? I don't know where he's at. I don't know how many feet away he is. I have no idea if he's even rounded the corner in this village. I have no idea if he's even on the road that I'm on right now. But the Bible says that Barnabas, when he just heard that Jesus, he didn't hear Jesus himself. He simply heard that he was nearby. The Bible says when he just heard that Jesus was within ears reach, that possibly he'll hear me if I cry out. The Bible tells us that blind Bartimaeus began to shout aloud, out loud over the crowd, over the noise, dropping his tin can he'd always been rattling and begin to say, Son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, he didn't need a preacher to preach him to joy at that moment. He didn't need an evangelist to pray him to rejoice. He didn't need a choir to sing him to victory. The text simply reveals that he heard that Jesus was nearby and that was just enough to put a shout inside of his spirit 
Oh, I'm here to encourage somebody. The Bible tells us if you'll just reach out, you'll find that he ain't far from you. You might feel like God's a million miles away from you because of what you're dealing with. But if you'll just reach out, you'll find out he's right there. He's within ears reach, brother. Sister, don't give up on God. All you got to do is call on the name of Jesus. Oh, why don't you lift your praise to him right now? Come on, why don't somebody do that right now? Call on that name. Call on that name. Call on that name. Whoa, hallelujah. No other name given unto men whereby we must be saved. No other name given. Yeah, I need you, God. Don't pass me by. When he realized that he was in the presence of the living word among us, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, Bartimaeus didn't wait till Jesus got to him. He shouted in advance. He praised before the promise. He didn't say, put my hand on his robe. Send me over there to his shoulder. He said, I'm going to shout and Jesus is going to show up. I'm here to tell you right now there's going to be a praise that's going to rise up in you this morning and as you praise him Jesus is going to show up come on everybody lift your hands right now I feel the Holy Ghost come on God's stirring somebody right now I don't know what you're dealing with I don't know what kind of pain you got in your body I don't know what kind of fear you got in you. I don't know what kind of loss you've experienced. But God is about to answer you. Somebody call his name. Call his name. Call his name. Uh, mm, You could be... You can be seated. But he shouted before Jesus got to where he was. In other words, no matter your present situation, no matter your current dilemma, he began to give God some praise before the promise. He did this, and all Bartimaeus needed was to hear. That Jesus was somewhere close. That's all he needed. Rattling his can. Doing what he'd always done. Going through the motions. Dealing with life every day. Showing up and leaving. A few coins today. Less the day before. Maybe none tomorrow. But I'm here. And I'm listening. Because I believe a blind person, we obviously understand this, that when a blind person, when they're blind, their other senses are magnified. And we understand the hearing of a blind person is more amplified than an average person. So Barnabas had to, had to lean on that sense so that he would know when somebody was passing close by. He had the sensitivity to hear whether somebody had some coins in their pocket, whether somebody was walking by with a basket of food and he could possibly call out to them, Sir, ma'am, I know you're nearby. I can't feel you right now, but I know you're close by. You have something you can spare. He was already keenly given to that sense. He was already ready to hear and his ears were perked up. The Bible tells us obviously in Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing. We don't just hear anything. We're just not going through life, pastor. We're not just going through life rattling around blindly wondering for somebody just to speak into my spirit. If somebody would just come up to me and read my mail. If I could get a goosebump after this missionary comes through. If I could just wake up in the middle of the night and Gabriel standing beside me with something in his hand I will know I'm in the will of God. But God said I've been speaking to you for years. And your ears aren't ready to hear that still small voice. Ma'am, I don't know what trauma you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're going through, young lady. Sir, I don't know what it is that you're having to 
tend to right now. You're, you're holding on and you don't even know what you're holding on to. You're just here. I've been in those cases where you get down to pray and you don't even know how to start prayer. You just get down and the Spirit begins to make an accessory for you as you just begin to worship. I encourage you right now, if this is the season that you're in, while you're down and don't know what to talk about, just begin to praise Him. Just begin to lift up praises unto Him. Just begin to magnify Him. Just begin to glorify Him. Just begin to lift Him up and praise Him for His mighty acts. For He is worthy. Jesus' name, I pray healing in this place right now. I pray God is beginning to get in touch you right now. I pray God's going to restore you right now. God's going to give back unto you what it seems like the enemy has stolen from you. It's been a long time and you've waited. And it seems like God hasn't answered your prayer. But here you are again, back in the house of God again. Don't squander this time. But I challenge you to reach out to him in your praise. Reach out to him with your faith. And you'll find he ain't far from you. Come on, just for a few moments right now. Pray, 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 pray. Uh, faith cometh by hearing. And not just any old sound, hearing the word of God. And how can we hear without a preacher? Uh, if just hearing merely the word of God does not excite you anymore, you've already begun to lose some of your praise. If just coming to church and hearing good teaching as we did this morning, hearing some good word being handed out of spiritual baskets into your hand as God begins to multiply favor in your life, as he goes handing out fishes and loaves, if you will, in the spirit as the word of God is being broken, they went from house to house breaking bread Jesus said I am the bread of life it just takes a little Jesus just takes a little Jesus I don't know how to help them with their problem why don't you go over to them and break bread Jesus is broken share that brokenness share that recovery with them it's all about souls it's all about a lost world you think you're going through problems I wasn't raised in this and I know there's some here that understand exactly where I'm coming from, and I might have even shared a little bit of this. I'll allude to it, not extensively, but I'll allude to it. I wasn't raised in this. I, I Don't let the suit and the pocket square and the shoes fool you. I wasn't raised in any kind of church background whatsoever. I, now, I went to churches, but I usually went with my family so that I could sit around and play with them on the pew and pinch me and poke me, and we'd go out and eat lunch afterwards and hang out. I could spend the day with my, my, my cousins and all, but I didn't go to hear anything from God. I was just going through the motions. 20 years old, here I am finally walking into an apostolic church, a drug dealer and an alcoholic and strung out on everything, all kind of an addictions that I won't even get involved to tell you right now of things that I was so bound up with. And when I came to church, I walked into a revival church that had been praying for revival. And I was invited by a backslider. We were sitting around one weekend hanging out doing our little thing and all of a sudden we just began to talk. I don't even remember how the conversation steered but I remember the first time somebody made a joke towards me about hell. Sitting in a little single wide home in the living room that night making all kind of jokes and filthiness of our lives and being funny and, and I was living there. I had my girlfriend at the time and we were living together and wasn't doing right and, and that somebody spoke up and said, man, Coley, don't you know you're going to hell? <laughs> that was the joke. That was it. You know you're going to hell living like you're living. I said, man, I'll go to hell for a glass of ice water. Come on, I was tough. And I got up and dismissed myself. I said, I'm going to go to the, I said, you got a restroom here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down the hall to the left. I went on down to the, re I went down to the hall to the restroom. I shut the door behind me and I fell on the floor. And I began to weep my eyes out. Nobody had ever taught me a search for truth Bible study. Nobody had ever taken me to a church. Nobody had ever laid hands on me. But somewhere, somebody was praying for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Somebody was praying for a drug dealer and an alcoholic somewhere to come to God. And I laid on that floor, and the only thing that passed through my mind was, what 
And I, I thought my friend was the biggest idiot in the world. But I said, what if that idiot is right? What if he actually, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. So what if he hit the nail on the head tonight? And I said, if he's wrong, I have nothing to lose. But if he's right, and there's really a hell, and I'm headed there, I've got everything to lose. And I cried. I didn't even know what hell felt like. I had no idea what heaven looked like. I had no idea what promises God had had for me. I knew nothing about repentance, nothing about baptism, nothing about Holy Ghost infilling. But God still reached down to me. And then we got up later on and that stirred my thinking about heaven and we began to talk with some friends one night and the person who was backslid that I had no idea was backslid from an apostolic church leaned over and we were talking about the things of God and somehow we got to talking about Holy Ghost and tongue talking, you know, all that woo stuff, you know what I mean? And I was into all that mystical stuff. I liked all that spooky stuff. That's what I did. And they said, man, you can get filled with the Holy Ghost. Talking tongues. I said, speak on. What you talking about? He said, no, no, you can go to church and God, here, here. And she found a Bible at the house we were at. This girl was educated. She opened up that Bible and said, look right here. They were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Look in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, fully come. All in one accord in one place. Suddenly came a sound from heaven like as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared above them closing tongues like a fire set upon each of them. And they all began to speak in tongues. I said, that still happens? She said, you want to see it? I said, speak on what are we doing this weekend? Here I am, full of drugs and full of everything else. And she mentioned church, and I got excited. You know why? Because I just wanted to see how y'all were living for God. Because if I came to church and y'all wasn't talking in tongues, I'd have left the same way I came in. I walked in that church. It was about middle ways of church. Sat around the middle pew area. And I came in there, head skimp, bald, eyes droopy. And I've been partying that weekend, right? And I'm looking around, and this person over here is crying. This one over here is laughing. This one over here is jumping. This one over here is rolling. This one over here slobbering. Out the ah, ain't church ain't even started. They ain't even playing on the keyboard. They're like, ah. so my God, this church is bipolar. <laughs> I sat on that pew. I wish I could tell you what pastor preached. I feel ashamed that I don't have it wrote in the Bible somewhere. The name of the sermon, everything. I, I feel so ashamed I don't remember that. Because I was so thrown back by sitting in church and watching how much you guys enjoyed it. And I sat back and, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He was just saying words to me. But you liked it. I'm pushing somebody right now. I don't know who all's here. I know a few familiar faces from last time. I don't know how long you've been coming. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know how many weeks you've been here, how many years. But I can tell you right now, if this church decides to stop worshiping and stop praising, you might decide to never come back again. Because if I'd have showed up and that church wasn't praying for revival and they decided I was sick of hearing the same songs, sick of seeing the same thing. I don't care. This is just, I'm just here just going through the motions. I'm ready for lunch. They take too long in these Pentecostal churches. My God, I, I got to beat everybody else to the cafeteria. Hallelujah. Come on. And I'd have picked up on that. I'd have said, I don't know what part of the Bible you're getting all that from. It ain't as exciting as you made it sound last night. But while I was in that service, a 15-year-old boy jumped up off a pew. And that boy took off running around that church. And he ran so fast, I'm uneducated, I'm unchurched, I'm just being transparent. I didn't know if somebody was robbing him, somebody that stole something from him. He saw his enemy, I watched him like a hawk. He got up off that front pew, 15-year-old, boom, gone. I sat in that pew, I said, my God, whatever it is, pastor, this boy's got, I gotta have, because I ain't put enough stuff in my body, I ain't drank enough stuff yet that caused me to get this excited randomly at somebody quoting scripture. He had some praise inside of him long before he realized God was gonna fill me with the Holy Ghost that night. That church was in revival. They decided they were going to praise God in advance before anybody ever got the Holy Ghost. 
I'm challenging you right now. Don't sit around and wait for somebody to get the Holy Ghost before you decide that you're going to praise Him. Don't sit there and wait for God to heal your body before you decide to shout aloud with a voice of triumph. Come on, church. Come on, church. Right now, right now, right now, right now. Come on, somebody's trying to stir you. Come on, I'm trying to stir somebody right now. God is shaking your praise right now. You came here saying what you want, and God's saying how bad you want it. Are you willing to praise me when you don't feel like it? Are you willing to praise me when you got pain in your body? Are you willing to praise me because your backslid children haven't come back yet? Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Stop waiting on somebody else to get you fired up. Stop waiting on pastor to preach your sermon. Stop waiting on the crowd to sing your song. Stop waiting on that boss to give you that pay raise. Stop waiting on the next stimulus check. Stop waiting. If a pandemic didn't get you to praise, you got something to worry about. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, if you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be speaking in the Spirit right now. God's ready to heal. God's ready to bless. God's ready to touch. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm not done yet, but I want to give you a moment to praise him right now. I'm giving you a moment to get your praise on. <laughs> you need a healing? Start praising him. You need revival? Start praising him. You want God to send you to that lost soul? Start praising him. Yay! <laughs> my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. He Listen to me right now. Keep praising him. Don't let me hinder you. Keep going. <laughs> but there's one thing that the enemy, and we're fixing to praise again, and we're fixing to have some good altar call, and if you need a healing, God can heal you. And if you need deliverance, God can deliver you. And if you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, God can fill you. And if you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, we can baptize you. But there's one thing the enemy cannot take away, and that's your testimony. Of what God has brought you through. They can question everything they believe about the Bible. But the fact that God had mercy on you. The fact that God took your sins away. The fact that God filled you with the Holy Ghost. Is one thing the enemy can't take. And that ought to be enough to cause a praise to stay alive inside of you. Recently, if you've heard anything in the media kept up with any news whatsoever, whether you liked it or not, things just kind of go out there on social media. But recently, I, I don't know how long, it's probably a few weeks back, possibly maybe even a month by now, but there was a concert that was given by a very famous country singer. Not to give out any names, but he loved to sing about Baton Rouge. Come on, somebody. So he had a concert in this stadium. There was 100,000 plus people in this stadium. And when he began to sing the song that they've been waiting on all night, it tells us that they shouted and they stomped and they got so excited, so hard, so passionate over one country song that the seismograph picked up a shaking of the earth and it was reported in the news that they actually felt the earth shake at that moment. And everybody lost their mind. Oh, did you hear about that concert? Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about the shouting? Did you hear about the shaking of the ground? 
And I got to thinking about it, Pastor. I said, why y'all all excited about that? Let me read a scripture to you out of the Bible. In Acts chapter 16. Tells us of, everybody say two. Two men by the name of Paul and Silas thrown into a prison for preaching about Jesus. And the Bible said, in the midst of their darkest hour, in the midst of their bondage, in the midst of their chains, they had no freedom. They could not preach outside. Rats were crawling around in the cell. They probably hadn't even had dinner yet. But the Bible tells us in Acts 16 and 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray, began to sing praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great shaking. There was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And the chains fell off their hands. Doors were open. Everything was loosed. Other prisoners were set free. I read that after hearing the news of 100,000. And I said, why y'all so excited? What took y'all to do? What took 100,000 plus people for you to do in the flesh only took two people to do in their praise? Come on, so right now, I'm challenging you. Don't you give God any mediocre worship anymore. Don't you give God any average praise anymore. The world is trying to challenge you right now. Lift your hands to him right now in this place. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Yes, yes, yes. We've come to worship him. I'm challenging you right now. If you need a healing in your body, come down. We're going to pray for you. Come on, if you want the Holy Ghost, come down. We're going to pray for you. If your spouse is not here and they need God, come down. We're going to pray for them. If you have backslid children, backslid grandchildren, come down. We're going to pray for them. Right now, but right now, I want you, before that happens, I want you to give God a praise greater than 100,000 plus people in the flesh could ever give. In the name of Jesus, right now, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice, praise him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.